Good morning, New Life. It's been a special service so far, hasn't it? And it will continue, right? All right, good. Uh, this morning, I want to read the first chapter of Galatians and um, those foolish Galatians. So in order to honor God's word, would you stand with me, please? If I have to stand to read it, you have to stand to hear it, right? <laughs> Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, and so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. And I am, am I now trying to win approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the, the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia, and later I went into Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, who is Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. And I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard this report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Thank you very much. On um, Wednesday night this week... Uh, got a phone call late at night from my father, and uh, dad doesn't call me very often, and especially late at night, because he's usually in bed. Uh, <laughs> and so I knew when the phone rang that it probably wasn't good news, and it wasn't. Um, I thought maybe something had happened with one of my uncles or aunts or something like that. Um, 
but he gave me the news that uh, my cousin that I was closest to growing up, who's the exact same age as me, uh, had taken his life. And I know, please understand, I know that I'm, we're not the only family in this church to have been affected by suicide. I, I know that there's other families here who have dealt with and are dealing with that. And so you know the shock that happens in that moment when you hear that, and it doesn't sound like it could be real, like that, that, no, that somebody made a mistake, that, that, that can't be right. And then the emotions that go with it, and then the questions. And, and in that night, I, I kind of thought to myself, the deal was I was working on this text in Galatians 1. Uh, and I was kind of studying it, and I kind of thought to myself for a moment, I, you know, maybe I shouldn't preach on Sunday. Maybe I'm not going to be in the emotional place or the mental space to preach this. And then, and then I had the thought, well, maybe I should preach, but maybe I should preach something else other than this. But the more I prayed about it, the more I realized that this text is about the gospel, and this is when I need the gospel most. It's, it's in the darkest times in this dark world that the gospel shines most brightly. Because what I believe about the gospel today is going to shape how I see him, how I see me, and how I see the future. We started this series last week on, the, on Galatians, and when we said the context was that the earliest believers who, who began to follow Jesus as Lord, most of them were Jewish Christians, right? But as the gospel went out, you see in the book of Acts, Paul goes out like in Acts 13 and 14 through the province of Galatia. There's all of these Gentiles, these non-Jews who become followers of Jesus. And what happened was some of the Jewish followers of Jesus went to the non-Jewish followers of Jesus and said, you have to follow the law in order to be a Christian. You got to be Jewish in order to be Christian. You got to follow the law, primarily things like circumcision or dietary laws or keeping the Sabbath. And they said, basically, hey, Paul never told us about that. And their response was, well, you know, Paul, you know, he's kind of a second grade apostle. You know, he wasn't one of the 12. He didn't hang out with Jesus, you know, and he just trying to make things easy so you guys could come into the kingdom. But that's not a good idea. So what they were doing was they were questioning Paul's apostleship. But more importantly, they were questioning the gospel. And therefore, dividing the body of Christ. And so Paul, in this letter to the Galatians, responds quickly and decisively with white-hot emotion and razor-sharp logic. After the initial blessing, when Mark just read that, and Mark, you did a great job. After the initial blessing, there's no thanksgiving. And in all of Paul's other letters, all of the undisputed letters of Paul, all of them have a thanksgiving. In fact, in letters in antiquity, they almost always had a time of, we thank God because of you. Or, or if they weren't Christians, we thank the gods because of whatever. There was always a thanksgiving. Not here. He says, bless you. And then, boom, he jumps straight in. And so you see that whatever else is going to be said, this is of utmost urgency. Okay, this is supreme importance. You want to talk about something relevant to your life today when you leave here? This is it. Nothing is more important than this. Verse 6, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. What is he saying? He's saying, if you desert the gospel, you're deserting God. He says, you're deserting the one who called you. And if you do that, you don't have the gospel anymore. To revise the gospel is to reverse it. And in fact, in just a moment, he said, there's some people trying to pervert the gospel. And the word 
pervert just means to twist around. It means to reverse something, to twist it backwards. In other words, if you try to tweak the gospel, you don't have the gospel. Verse 7, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. And can we just be clear about this? Uh, Not only was there a lot of confusion back then, there's a lot of confusion in our world today in general, but specifically about the gospel. And he said they're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned, the NIV says accursed some other translations say as we have already said we'll say it again if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted let him be eternally condemned the word is anathema and it means and 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 i'm gonna just apologize to the parents ahead of time (laughs) normally we don't talk like this at church but but i my job as pastor is to tell you what the book says So my goal this morning is not to entertain you or make you happy with me when you leave, although please like me, but that's not what this is about. You need to know what Paul is saying here. So what he's saying here is this. If somebody else comes and preach another gospel than the one we preach, they can go to hell. Let's be even clearer. Actually, what he's saying is damn them to hell. Yikes is right. I mean, this, this is like pretty intense here. And the, different, the caveat here is what some of you heard when you heard that was that the way people curse today. But the, here's the caveat. When people say that, you can go to hell or damn them to hell or something like that, they don't usually mean it. In our world today, they're just angry. They're just trying to be vulgar. They're just, they, because they don't even believe there is a hell. So if they tell them to go to hell, they, it's just a way to say, I'm mad at you. Okay? The difference here... Paul's saying this literally. This is kind of intense. Which means that whatever else he's saying, whatever else this means, it means this. We need to get the gospel right. (laughs) Eternal destiny of of men and women rests on this. This is why Paul's so emotional here. I mean, a lot of people think the gospel is just like the ABCs of the faith, and it's the basics, and once you get it, you move on from there. Paul will have none of that. He said, the gospel isn't the ABCs of the faith. The gospel is the A to Z of the faith. In other words, everything rests on this. This isn't a joke. It's not a game. It isn't superstition. It's not going through the motions. This is about eternity. It's about the kingdom of God. And so this series of messages we're doing on Galatians this summer, it's not because we can't think of something else to do and it's something cute. No, this is about God. This is about the gospel. This is about eternity. And this is about the freedom that comes from the gospel in this age and in the age to come. Because Paul knows the gospel brings freedom. And so what does he want? He wants freedom for the Galatians. And when somebody is taking that away, he got angry. Do you know what this feels like? When, 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 when someone is trying to take away the freedom of someone you love, last night we were at a, a wedding. We did a wedding. Austin Johnson uh, and Allie, they got married last night. And at the wedding, I was talking to a friend I haven't seen in a while, and he was telling me that um, his wife is fighting cancer again. And as we were talking, I could see kind of his eyes tear up a little bit. They got red, and I could see the hurt in his eyes. But then came this anger in his voice, and he said, I hate cancer. 
And if anybody here has ever had a family member that you've lost to cancer, you hate it too. I hate cancer too. Why? Because it's ravages some of the people that I love. It tries to steal their freedom. It tries to alter their personality. Ultimately, it tries to kill them. So I hate cancer. That's why Paul is so emotional here. He sees a different gospel as cancer. And it's ravaging the people he loves. So he's angry. If somebody comes and preaches another gospel, they can go to hell. That's what he's saying. So if it's so important, if this is such a big deal, we might want to know what the gospel is. Right? So I have a, I have a simple outline today. Very simple. You're going to think, really, you get paid for this? Uh, 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 it's a very simple gospel, a very simple, it was a very simple gospel, but it's a very simple outline. Here's the outline. What is the gospel and why is it important? That is it. I only have two points, not three, so please pay attention. All right? What is the gospel and why is it important? Let's look at it first. What is the gospel? When the Galatians read this and they heard the word gospel, what did they hear? What did it mean? I mean, you can't start with today's notions of gospel and read that back into the text. That's something that's called Eisegesis. That's when you read into the text your own idea. What we want is exegesis. We want to read out of the text what the text is actually saying. So when you hear the word gospel today, there's a lot of things you might think of. You might think of a genre of music, like gospel music. Uh, you might think of a colloquialism where people say, that's the gospel truth, which just means that's the true truth. It's just the way to say true again. Or you might think of one of the first four books of the New Testament. The gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Well, you might think of other things, but none of those are what the Galatians heard. When they heard the word gospel, what that meant is literally what gospel means is good news. That's what they heard. When they, when they, when they heard the word gospel, they heard good news. And there was two streams that kind of gave content to the gospel. The first was, if for a Jewish Christian, when they heard the words good news, their mind went to Isaiah... Where the middle of Isaiah says, good news, the covenant-keeping God, Yahweh, is going to return to Zion. He's going to fulfill his promise. You guys are in exile now because of your sin, but he's going to come back. He's going to bring you back to the promised land, and you're going to be rescued. And that was called by Isaiah, good news. And that's why you get in chapter, what is it, 52, you know, how beautiful are the feet of them who bring good news of peace. Chapter 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach what? Good news, the gospel to the poor. And that's what it was. So, so a Jewish Christian would have heard what the content out of Isaiah, right? But most of the Galatians were not Jewish followers of Jesus. They were non-Jewish, so what did they hear? Well, that gives us the second stream that gives content to what good news means, and that was the Roman imperial declaration of the day. In that time, when the Roman government wanted to make an imperial declaration, it was called gospel. It was called good news, and it went like this. Hey, gospel, good news, Caesar is Lord. I'll give you a specific historical example. Um, Julius Caesar, probably the most famous Roman of all time, was assassinated. You know, the whole Brutus and Cassius thing, you know, the whole et tu brut, uh, <laughs> according to Shakespeare. Uh, I don't think he actually said that, but Shakespeare said he did, so there you go. Um, uh, and, and you know the story. After that, there was civil war. And at first, Antony and, and Octavian, Octavian, who was the grand-nephew of Julius Caesar, but the adopted son, which, by the way, in the first century, sonship has more to do with adoption and less to do with DNA. That's important later in the book of Galatians. 
and when you read Romans about how God has adopted us, okay? So, so Caesar, Julius Caesar had adopted Octavian, and, and what happened is at first Octavian and Antony, they're fighting together against those who had assassinated Julius Caesar, and then as it often works out, they started fighting each other, and there's civil war, and the, and the key battle was actually a naval battle out on the water, and Octavian won. Now this is Octavian, not to be confused with Octavio, <laughs> who goes to our church, okay? So that's not, this is Octavian, Roman emperor, not Octavio. I don't want anybody to think anything. Okay, so, so Octavian wins the war. And what happens? There's an imperial declaration, and it goes like this. Gospel, Octavian is Lord. He is one. So what did it mean? It meant it was, it was news. The gospel is new. It's good news, but it's news. And what is news? News is something happened. And because something happened, something else is going to happen. Because here's what happened. When, Octav- when they said Octavian is Lord, what it meant was he won the battle. He's defeated the enemy. He's, in, he's Caesar now. And he became who? Anybody remember? He's in the Bible in Luke chapter 2. Caesar Augustus. Okay. So, so sorry, this isn't like trivia quiz, Tom. But so here's what happened. It, they said Octavian is Lord. And what that meant was he's in charge and he's going to come back to Rome and he's going to set up his government and he's going to set up his kingdom and you might want to change allegiance. If you were, if you were supporting Antony, you might want to change allegiance right now or else you better get out of Dodge. So here's what the gospel was in the Roman world. Caesar is Lord, therefore he's going to set up his kingdom. That's what it meant. That's what those words meant when the Galatians heard that. And so, and so you had people who had not been loyal to Octavian. They had been loyal to Antony. People like Herod the Great. He, he, he backed the wrong horse. So what do you do? Do you run away or what? Here's what Herod did. Herod was smart. He went to Octavian and he said, now listen, I think we don't need to focus on whose friend I was. Let's focus on how loyal of a friend I was and I'll be that kind of friend to you. And I, you know what that was called? Repentance. It was a change of mind, a change of allegiance. And Herod said, come on in. Be part of the kingdom. Now, that's what they heard. So here's the deal. This is what, The reason I'm, I'm trying to explain this is when they heard this, they didn't hear advice. They heard news. When he says the gospel, it's not. See, most of what happens in religion, unfortunately, most preaching in the world today is advice. You should do this. You should do that. That's advice. That's not the gospel. The gospel is news. Something has happened. Jesus is Lord. He's coming back to set up his kingdom, so you might want to put your allegiance in him. That's what, I mean, you read the book of Acts, and how did they preach? Peter on the day of Pentecost, he gets up and says, you crucified Jesus. God raised him from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. He's now sent the Holy Spirit, and he's Lord. He didn't say, you might want to invite Jesus in your heart. Uh, if, if you want to have the experience of having a Savior, you might want to. No, he just said, Jesus is Lord. And they said, what do we do? And he said, what? Repent. Believe the good news. He'd be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Change allegiance. So what it, the gospel was an authoritative proclamation. Jesus is Lord, and it was a summons to obey. Now, there's a couple places that where Paul even explains it. He, he, he really spells it out or gives a definition of the gospel. Let's look at them. And, and, and I want us to be, I'm going to have to be in teacher mode for the next 10 minutes, okay, uh, to, to get through this. But this is important stuff. So, Romans 1, verse 1, Paul unpacks this gospel. Look what he says. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Sounds just like the beginning of Galatians. The God, and here he goes with the definition or the spelling of it out. 
The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, and here it is, Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you see that? He's spelling it out. Here's the gospel. Jesus is Lord. So the gospel, first of all, has a cosmic scope. Jesus is Lord, but it has a personal application. Look at the second kind of definition he gives. That's 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel. And by the way, we often need to be reminded of the gospel. In fact, on a daily basis, I'm going to get to that in a minute, you ought to just preach the gospel to yourself. He said, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So here's what you see. Just like in Galatians, what he's saying here is that there's a cosmic scope to the gospel, but there's a personal application. Jesus died for our sins. He gave himself to save us. See, according to the gospel, every single one of us have sinned and cannot save ourselves. You, you can't by your good works, you can't by your performance earn acceptance from God. Let me just prove that to you. Isaiah 53, 6, we all. If you're a visitor here today, just know this. You're in a room where we all know this. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. All of us. Ecclesiastes 7.20. There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. <laughs> I just, I think about that verse. I think, ladies, if anybody's here looking for the perfect man, he ain't out there. Because this text says, there's not a man on earth who does what is right and never sins. What happened? Romans 3, verse 10. This is not just men. Romans 3, verse 10. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All together have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So here's the bad news. We've all sinned, and we can't earn acceptance by God. But here's the good news. Jesus gave himself for our sin. He, he defeated sin. He defeated death and the devil, and he rescued us from this present evil age. So that he can say this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. This is what Jesus was doing. He was reconciling us back to God, not counting our sins against us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know what that means? You know what the gospel means? I'm righteous now. Why? Because I'm so right now. Because I've been declared righteous by the righteous one. Now, if you say, 
in, in your, look, I want to make the gospel more inclusive, you know? So, so, so it's just, look, it's just try to be good and just love people and, and God will accept you, right? Then what you're teaching, if that's what you're teaching, you believe that good works are good enough to make you acceptable to God. Now, there, there's multiple, there's at least three problems with that. There's a lot more, but there's at least three problems. Number one, it makes the death of Jesus unnecessary. I mean, why did Jesus go through the horror of the cross to take the sin of the world on himself if all we needed to do was just try harder? Like, what, what, I mean, you know, like, why didn't God just send another prophet to say, come on, fellas, do better? I mean, Paul says exactly this in, in Galatians 2, verse 21, that we'll get to someday. Uh, it, it says, if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So that's number one. If, if you can just be good enough, then why did Jesus die? It's unnecessary. Number two, and this is counterintuitive, but if you're just saying, if you just, you just get good enough and God will accept you, you're actually making the gospel more exclusive than inclusive. You say, exclusive? Yes. Because the real gospel, the real true good news is for everyone no matter what you've done. That's right. And, and listen, I'm grateful for this because I have screwed up a lot of times in my life. I have. So I'm really happy that it's not the good people to go to heaven. It's, 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 it's all of us get the gospel. And if you say it's the good people that get to have a relationship with God and be accepted by God, what you're saying is only the good people can come to the feast. And so what have you done? You've actually made it more exclusive, not inclusive. And if you're honest, you've excluded yourself because we just read, ain't nobody good. That's number two. Number three. If you've earned your own salvation, then the glory goes to you. I mean, if, you, if you've just been good enough to be accepted, then it's just wages for what you've done, right? You just earned it, right? But, but, and so the glory goes to you. But in the gospel, it, no, we didn't do anything to save ourselves, so all the glory goes to him. So let's just summarize. Here, the gospel is the good news. It's the good news. It's cosmic in scope. It's personal in application that Jesus is Lord. That means he gave himself for our sins to rescue us. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit. And by the way, in the preaching in Acts, the sending of the Holy Spirit is part of the story. Right? And he sent his Holy Spirit. In Romans, Galatians, same thing. So he ascended into heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit. And so now what? We're accepted. We are loved. We're made new. And new creation has already begun. In fact, you get to the end of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, verse 15. He says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. New creation's already started. The age to come has already begun. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. He didn't say one day he's going to be a new creation in the, you know, when we get to heaven in the great by and by. No, he says if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And then he says all this is from God. <laughs> Isn't that so good? He did, he did, none of it's from you. None, none of it is from, we didn't earn any of it. It's all grace. That's the gospel. Ooh, that's good news. Now, second part of the outline here, why is it so important? Back to the text. Back to the text. Why is it important? Verse 11. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. 
I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Listen very carefully. The gospel is important because it is not of human origin. It's from God. It is divine origin, which means, Paul is saying, I didn't make this up, so I don't get to change it. And neither do you. All right? It's not from me, so I don't get to change it. And then he proves it by giving his testimony, which he often did. In Acts, if you read some of his other letters, he's often referring to his, his testimony. And, and side note here, Paul's a real good example to us of how to use our testimony. Okay, verse 13. For you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Now get here, don't miss what's happening here. Paul is grounding the story in God's choosing him to be an apostle. Here's what he's saying. I didn't choose myself. Because before I was born, the the Greek says, in the womb. Which is interesting that we had that testimony kind of spontaneously this morning that related to the womb. I just found that interesting because Paul's saying, I was still, the NIV says at birth, but the, the text actually says in the womb. So a better translation is, before I was born... God picked, I didn't have any say. <laughs> just God picked me to be an apostle. I didn't ask for that. Sometimes when people, you know, they're like, you know, you're, you say something about whatever about me being a pastor. I'm like, I didn't pick this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was picked for that. I didn't choose. Nobody would choose this. That's what Paul's saying. I didn't pick this. In fact, he's saying, I persecuted the church. In fact, he says, my purpose, I tried to destroy it. Not, I tried to slow it down. I tried, he wanted to crush it. If you read Acts 22 and 26, you find out he actually killed people. What's the point? Here's the point. Paul is saying, God chose me so that there would be no confusion that this was anything other than grace. <laughs> let, let this in for a second. God chose Paul, a murderer, Get the word right. A terrorist. He's trying to exterminate the people of God. What what, what is that? God chose a terrorist. Listen, I want you to hear me and I want you to let this in because I'm going to take away every excuse you've ever given for why God can't forgive you, heal you, set you free, or use you for his kingdom. Okay. Okay, so all of your excuses for why God can't use you, I'm about to take away. God chose a terrorist to bring the gospel to the Gentiles so that we would know this is from God. What was your excuse again for why God can't use you? All of a sudden it kind of melts away. I mean, and the story of Paul's conversion, it happens three times in the book of Acts. It happens here. It's alluded to in other places in the early church because his conversion was evidence. Paul was saying, there's no other explanation for my life other than God. So, number one, why is this so important? It's so important because it's from God. 
It has divine origin. But secondly, what Paul says is, the gospel is so important because it transforms everything. I'm going to unpack this and then I'll be done. But please stay with me in the last few minutes here. Here's what he says in verse 22. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Look what happened. Paul believed the gospel. He recognized Jesus was Lord, that he had died for his sins, and it totally transformed him. And if you understand it, it will transform you too. When he understood that we are justified not by performance, not by what we do, but by our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did, that changed everything for him. The gospel is not Jesus plus obeying the law. Because if that is your gospel, here's what happens. The thing that justifies you is your performance. And when you're not performing, you're going to feel condemnation. The, the, the gospel is not Jesus plus the American dream. But because if it's that, then what justifies you is your success. The gospel is not even, and please hear me out and hear me in context here, the gospel is not even Jesus plus right doctrine. Because if you make it that way, if you say it's Jesus plus speaking in tongues or it's Jesus plus tithing, although tithing is very important. But if you, if, if you say it's Jesus plus tithing, all of a sudden what you're justified by is your knowledge. Which is not the gospel, it's a heresy called Gnosticism. Listen, the gospel is very simple. It's Jesus plus nothing. <laughs> okay? You're saved by grace through faith. It's all about Jesus and what he has done. That means I am free because it's about Jesus and what he did. I am free from condemnation. So if I'm feeling condemned, I'm believing another gospel, which Paul says there's no gospel at all. Tim Keller puts it this way. By, by the way, a real helpful little book on Galatians. It's called Galatians for You by Tim Keller. I'm reading about 13 or 14 commentaries as we go through this. And this is one, it's, it's probably the most simple, easiest to read one. He says this. Practically, fear, anxiety, and guilt, the sense of condemnation and curse, will always be attached to different gospels in this life. Even Christians sometimes experience a sense of condemnation. When they do, it is because, functionally, they are trusting in different gospels, different ways to earn salvation. Have you ever experienced this? I, I have. Oh, oh, man, I have. Where I just was, I, I, I messed up or, I, 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 you know, I said something I shouldn't have said or whatever. And, and I just felt so condemned. I just felt this condemnation and, I, and it was like I, I just felt like I, I you know I wanted to make up for what I did and it just this whenever you're doing that whenever I've done that you know what I'm doing I'm trusting another gospel I'm actually believing that I'm accepted because of how good I am and then all of a sudden when I realize I ain't that good <laughs> it's like I feel condemned because condemnation will always go with other gospels because they're not a gospel. <laughs> they're not good news. 
And this is good news that, we, that we're saved, but not by, it's Jesus plus nothing. So just bask in that with me for a minute. Can, can we just enjoy this together? Just enjoy this together. That we're accepted. That we're loved. By God Almighty himself because of what Jesus did. In fact, here's what you do. Here's what you do. I, I've been doing this lately for a little while now. And, and, and I would, I'm just going to share this with you, what I'm doing. And I would just invite you to just try this, all right? And, and, and it's this. When I wake up in the morning, I, I preach the gospel to myself. Usually before I got it, last week I shared with you those scriptures that I just kind of say, the Lord loves me with an everlasting love, the Lord rejoices over me with singing, you know, that list of scriptures that I go through every day. I usually do that. And then I just preach the gospel to myself, usually before I'm out, even out of bed, and it goes like this, Jesus is Lord. That means that this day is by him and from him and for him, which means it's not about me. Oh, this, I'm starting to feel free already because uh, it's not on me. <laughs> it's not about me. This is very freeing to do this in the morning. It takes all kinds of stress off me because you know what it means? I'm not in charge. The gospel says Jesus, what does that mean? He's in charge. You know what else that means? The devil's not in charge. So I can just say, okay, all right, Jesus, you're in charge. Oh, this is good. I don't, I, no stress on me, no pressure on me. I'm not in charge. You're in charge. The devil's not in charge. That means anything that happens today, whether it's good or bad, guess what's going to happen? One of the promises in Scripture, Romans 8, 28, in all things, God works for the good. Of those who love him or are called according to his purpose. And that's me. So before I even get out of bed, I know everything today, good or bad, God is going to work it for my good. Man, you can't can't lose if you think that way. You just start preaching the gospel to yourself. And what does that mean? That means I'm accepted. I'm loved. Oh, man, I haven't even died and got out. My feet haven't even hit the floor yet, and I'm already accepted. Oh, this is good. This is freeing. And it means I am of inestimable value and worth. And you say, whoa, hold hold on a second there. Uh, Really? You think you're of inestimable value and worth? Yes, I do. Do you know why? Because Jesus paid an infinite price for me. He can't, listen, this is not only the greatest love story ever told, this is the greatest love story that ever could be told because Jesus transgressed the infinite chasm. He was in heaven with the constant worship of angels, and he traded that for the mockery of ignorant men on the cross. There is no greater chasm. No one has traveled a greater distance because they loved you more than that. What is, so what does that mean? And it, Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the greatest love story that could possibly ever be told. And it means if he paid an infinite price for me, what does that mean? I am worth an infinite amount. And so are you. I haven't even got out of bed yet, and I'm feeling good. A year ago, just to kind of illustrate that whole thing, uh, about a, last, sometime last year, uh, Phil Yeoman and I went to a conference in Virginia, and we met this dude, and he was telling us a story that he was driving somewhere, uh, he, was, he had to go to some meeting, and he was driving somewhere, and, and he was in a neighborhood, and he looks over, and there's this lady who's limping really bad. I mean, her knees really hurt, and she's limping like this. And so uh, he's like, oh, that must be terrible. So he pull, he's got to get to, he's got a deadline, he's got to get there. But he pulls his car over, he gets out, and he says, oh, man, you look like you're in a lot of pain. She said, I, I am. I, I really hurt my, my knee. And he said, well, can I pray for you? And, and she's like, well, okay. You know, and he didn't, he didn't go up there and grab her knee. You know, I didn't want to come off like a serial killer or something. You know? <laughs> just, so he just prays a very simple prayer over her. And, and, and the sharpness of the pain goes away when he prays for her. And she's still in pain, but it's not as sharp. And she can walk. And she's like, 
I just can't believe that somebody would, are you just out looking for people? He said, oh, no, I'm on my way somewhere. And she said, you stopped on your way to go somewhere else to pray for somebody with a hurt leg? And he said, yeah. She said, that is amazing. He goes, oh, that's nothing. You want to hear something that's really something? Jesus left heaven and came all the way down. And it wasn't like he was on the way somewhere else and he stopped. He came for you. Tears started running down this lady's eyes, down her cheeks. She said, I, I, I don't, I've never been loved like that. He said, no, you haven't. No, you've never been like He gave her the gospel. You want to, it's not a big deal to stop for somebody on your way somewhere else. It's a big deal for Jesus to leave heaven and come down to here for people who did not deserve it. I still hadn't even got out of bed yet. I'm still in bed. What does that mean? Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching the gospel to myself, so here's what I do. Because of the gospel, I don't start the day trying not to screw up. I, I mean, for some of us, we're like, and this is how I used to do it. Lord, I'm awake now, and so far I haven't sinned, but I'm getting ready to put my feet on the floor. And you're like, you know, that was kind of my attitude. I'm a sports fan. Forgive the sports analogy, but for those of you who are sports fans, you know when a team stops playing to win and starts playing not to lose? You know, like they get a lead and there's a few minutes left in the game, and, and, and they quit doing the thing that got them there, and now they're just trying to play. Just try, don't lose the game. Don't lose the game. And some of us, that's how we live. We start out like, okay, I'm just going to try not to screw up. As if God is up there going, I'm waiting for you to screw up. Perish? Perish? Hey, 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 hey. I will slap you, boy. That, like, that's how God is. No, I, so we live like that sometimes, don't we, Shanette? But because of the gospel, I don't have to live like that way anymore. I don't have to, I'm not worried about it. I'm already accepted. Amen. Because of what Jesus said, I'm, I don't have to do things to get accepted. And that means that I can take bold steps for him. I ain't playing not to lose. I'm playing to win. Right? I'm not trying to, and I can just live out of that love because he's loved me and I get it all from him. I'm getting my love from him. I'm getting my acceptance from him. I, my approval comes from him. Now I'm free to live like nobody owes me anything. This is, this is, uh, this is for me, realizing one of the results of the gospel recently for me has been this. I am now free to live as if nobody owes me anything. See, a lot of times in life, we get so frustrated because we have these expectations that don't get met. We have all this disappointment. We expect people to treat us a certain way. We expect this to happen, expect that to happen, and they don't do it. So what do we do? We get frustrated. We get disappointed because we, we think everybody owes us something. But if I'm getting all my acceptance from him, all my love from him, my identity comes from my relationship with God, I'm justified by faith, I'm in a right relationship with him, now I can love you and you don't owe me anything. Amen. If, you don't, if, you, if, you don't, if I do something for you and you don't say thank you, it don't matter anyway. Because I ain't living for you. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm free to love you now. Nobody owes me anything. I mean, I, I, in the mornings, I bring a cup of coffee to my wife in the morning, wake her up, bring coffee, and say, good morning, babe. You know, and, if, and, and I, I'm free to do that no matter what she says. I mean, she always says, thank you, and everything's very kind. But, you know, it, you know, it doesn't say, like, oh, you're the best husband in the whole universe. Wow, it's amazing. You know, that be, oh, that's great to hear, but I don't need to hear that. It doesn't change why I do it because she don't owe me anything. She don't owe me anything. And if you actually live like nobody owes you anything because you're getting it all from Jesus, you know how free that makes you? Oh, man. You're just walking in all kinds of freedom now because you're just, what, what am I doing? I'm bathing myself in the gospel. 
bathing myself in the gospel. And here's what happens. You know what comes out of that? Joy. Because most of my disappointment comes from the fact that you didn't meet my expectations. But if I release my expectations and go, I'm getting everything from my right, I'm right relationship with God, and I'm getting everything I need from him, now I can live like you don't owe me anything, and I have freedom, and I have joy. Remember what, remember what the angel said to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2? He said, I bring you good news. You ain't get, it's the same Greek word. I bring you good news of what? Great joy. Great joy is the result of good news. And sometimes we don't, we're not walking in joy because we are not remembering the gospel. We're not remembering the good news because if you're walking in that, you're almost unoffendable. I mean, a couple weeks ago, you heard me say this. I'm going to say it again. Elijah asked Caroline to marry him, and she said yes. Okay. And, and, and yeah, hallelujah's right. We were all praying, interceding. Uh, um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, sort of, uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and we were driving home back from Virginia, back up to Kentucky, and something happened, I can't remember what it was, somebody made a decision without asking them, and, and, uh, and so Marlene says to, to them, oh, I'm sorry, and, and Caroline, she had this big smile on her face, and she goes, it's okay, I'm engaged. <laughs> she's like, she's like, you remember this? She, she's like, I... You, you couldn't even make me sad today if you tried. I, I, I went to the beach. I wasn't engaged. And one minute later, I'm engaged. I, it was like, and, I, and, and you couldn't, I mean, we couldn't have made her mad that day if we tried. And we called her bad names. It didn't matter. She just, I'm engaged. You know what I think? If you bathe yourself in the gospel, if you bathe yourself in the gospel, you can go, guess what? I'm engaged. I, I just, Jesus loves me. I'm getting my acceptance from him, my approval from him, my identity from him. So however you do, it's all right, because guess what? You don't owe me anything. Which means I'm free of what you think about me. And you know what that means? Get this now. Now I'm really free to love you. Because as long as I have an expectation for you to do something for me, I'm not really loving you. I'm, I'm actually loving me. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm going to do something for you so that I get something from you. But now if I, if I live like with the gospel, hey, the gospel's true. I'm accepted. I'm loved. I, I, I got everything from him already. Now I'm free. I can love you. And if you respond good, hey, that's good. If you don't, I still agree with him. Which is where I'm getting my life. I'm not getting my life from you. Man, if you will let the gospel in, it will transform your life. And get to the end. Here it is, Galatians 5. He says, you, my brethren, were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. What do you do? You serve one another in love. Why? Because of, because of the gospel, you're free to love now. You're free to love now. Some of you have felt captive like you weren't even really able to love and, and and part of the reason is you haven't let the gospel fully in yet but if you'll let it fully in you, you'll experience this kind of freedom and then it brings us to the very end that when you face death yesterday in addition to having a wedding we had a funeral and we said goodbye to patty boston a saint oh such an encouraging woman, a woman of prayer, a woman of the word. And man, we, we said goodbye to her, but, and, and, and we're sad. 
and we mourn, but we don't mourn as those who have no hope. Right. Right. No, we got the gospel. And tomorrow we have, we're going to have a funeral for Kathy Capshaw's sister. And then on Tuesday, I'm going to Western Kentucky for the funeral for my cousin. And then on Wednesday, we have a, a funeral for Cindy Maddox's sister. Four funerals in five days. And in every single one of them, you know what I'm going to remember? Jesus conquered the grave. He holds the keys of death and hell. That means death cannot hold those who are still with Jesus. You guys, the gospel changes everything. Yes, it does. Even death. 